0: Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. All characters during the show, such as Donatella Iglesias, Jimmy Coconuts, and Tyler Jerry are copywritten and are satirical. Any similarity to any person's living or dead is completely coincidental. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast.
1: Okay, Sean, I haven't read the notes, so I'm to have to take the wheel on this one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so. I always take the wheel. What do you say?
1: You do. Jesus, take the wheel. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ishbin Heinz. Science!
2: Science! Yes. Science! I know the human being and fire. fire.
0: Can this without finding. Petri dish.
2: This is Petri Dish. I am Sean Allen. I'm Nathan. And I'm Andre.
1: Andre's here with us. Yay! We got him in because we're talking about can, cannabidi- can-, can-, can- cannabinoids. We're talking about cannabinoids. Okay. If you guys don't know, that's the cannabis stuff right yeah good job what is the oid part that's like molecules that got to do with the cannabis it's like the noid the noid <laughs> <Good job. laughs> and we actually made sure andre was in on this episode okay because sean he's our professor he's the wizard in the high tower he's our dumbledore yep andre he's hagrid okay oh. he's like in the woods fucking shit and like he knows the shit on the deep level the forest level Yeah. And I'm like Harry Potter in the first book before he goes to the school, okay? I'm the chosen one, but I don't know much
2: yet. I think you're a little bit more of a Neville Longbottom type (laughs) character. As in I'm very handsome now? As in we're all very acquainted with your Longbottom. I didn't get into (laughs) Gryffindor. (laughs) The Longbottom was in Gryffindor, too. I know. It doesn't matter. I didn't get... I'm a muggle. All right, listen. So here's the thing. This is the first part of a two-parter on cannabinoids and sort of that whole molecular family, which includes THC, the active psychotropic. Dude, molecular. Yeah. I'm making it. I'm making it a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, that's molecular, dude. And we're going to chat about it. Andre is going to bring in that dank knowledge from the streets. And uh, you're going to be silly. Talking about that, this is actually something I didn't know. Andre.
1: Did yeah. you know that cannabinoids are part of the same family of plants as hops? I did know that they were very closely related. I should have known that. I should have known you know that they're both. Stinky. Andre just like takes baths in both of those. No water. <laughs> he just rubs himself with like these dry herbs. In fact, people don't know, Andre is a man of beer and cannabis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sums me up pretty well, actually. Yeah.
1: Okay, so besides a passing interest in cannabis and all sorts of cannabisy stuff. I mean, like, why are we talking about it?
2: Yeah, so with the legalization of pot in a lot of the United States and kind of increasing movement towards legalization around the world, there's kind of been more research. Which, by the way, this pod does not support nor not support. What? Yeah, we don't have a moral
1: position on this issue. We're very nonpartisan. Oh my god, wait, that's not true at all. That's <laughs> not true at all. Legalize it. Okay, wait, let's take a Democratic vote. Do you want to legalize it, Andre? 100%. Okay, well, yeah, he's a fucking a Bernie supporter. Hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm a libertarian. You are?
2: No, not really. But I do want to legalize it. <laughs> okay, but I get two votes. No. And I say, no! You're a naughty Police boy. state! Uh, Who's going to make our license plates? How can we fight a war on drug if we keep legalizing them? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right! Um, anyway, here's why. We're legalizing it. We can start to do more research now. But you can look out there in the places where it's legalized. And there's a lot of products being sold with purported health benefits And they're not verified, it's not really well understood, and some of them might be true, and other ones might not be any better than what we're already using.
1: It's really important for us to sort out where the research actually goes, and where we need more research.
2: Yeah, so it's definitely the case that, especially once it's descheduled federally, we can see a lot more research money going into understanding better what cannabinoids, THC, CBD, what these guys can actually do for us, right? But As of right now, there is some evidence out there. There have been some trials and some tests, and I think that it's useful to get that info out to people so they can know what of the stuff is horseshit and what of it is just inconclusive. So guys, make sure to stick around, write to your congressman
1: to not support legalization, (laughs) (laughs) and we're about to get into it.
2: Cannabisiae is a family of plants, and that has the cannabis genus in it, but also the humulus, humulus genus, which is the hops for beer, like Nathan was saying. Yeah,
1: it's actually a, a homophone for uh, those little things that people would keep in containers, right? Like the little plants that look like humans, like oh. a
2: mandrake? Homunculi. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, oh, that the, is a different word, isn't it? It is different, but I like it. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> I like it. Humulus looks a little bit like hummus to me. Mm. which, I mean, we just ate, so I guess I'm not that hungry, but whatever. And hummus has a little bit of this uh,
0: hops in it, right? What? Definitely not. (laughs) They do put hummus in little containers, though. There you go.
2: Just like hops.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So
2: in the cannabis genus, there's actually a lot of disagreement about how many different species of cannabis there are because some people want to call the different species subspecies or cultivars. It's not super clear, but what's a cultivar? A cultivar is for plants that are kind of cultivated and grown by people. So they're not, like, real. They have a special word for them. Yeah, it's kind of like how dog breeds are, like, breeds and not subspecies. What are you talking about? What? I mean, 6,000 years ago,
1: God put all different types of dogs on Earth to give us friends.
2: <sighs> you, so we
1: fought against the devil.
2: You fuck. Haven't you read Golden Compass? It's too early. No, no, I'm not going to be distracted. No, <laughs> fuck it. Okay, look. Putatively, there are three species, okay? There's the sativa... The Indica and the
0: Ruderalis. So the thing about Ruderalis is no one's heard of it. Uh, every, yeah. everyone, everyone knows about Sativa and Indica. Yeah, even I do. But Ruderalis is kind of this like wild card out there. And what my street knowledge tells me about Ruderalis <laughs> is Sorry, no. that Ruderalis is an auto-flowering variant. Yes. Ruderalis, you can plant it in the dirt, give it whatever hours of sunlight or and darkness... And it'll grow and it'll flower just like straight away. Whereas the other two take their cue from how many hours of sunlight it gets to determine what part of its life cycle it should be in. So is the reason we don't use ruderalis more is because we have a hard time controlling it then? Uh, why don't we use more ruderalis? I don't know why. It's almost as if ruderalis is for people who have less control. Because typically sativa or indica is advantageous. Because you can control exactly when it goes from vegetative into flowering. Right. So let's say you're growing indoors. You have 100% control over how much light is going to be hitting that plant. So you could keep a cannabis plant in a vegetative growth indefinitely and just keep that as like a mother plant to trim little tiny other plants off of and clone it. And then you can grow that clone up to a certain stage in vegetative growth in a separate room and then change the lights on it and, and have it flower on a schedule you want it to.
1: So whereas Ruderalis is like, you're a Cherokee Indian. You're just going to like run through Tennessee, plant a couple weed plants, run
0: off, go hunt some deer, and then come back in a season and there's some, some weed for you. Kind of. It's more like a ticking clock. You plant it, it starts growing, and from the time it starts growing... And then it blows up. It has... X amount of weeks before it automatically starts going into flower mode. Cool. uh, Based on whatever strain it happens to
2: be. Native Americans were so wise. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, one of the things that I feel like I've read about Ruderalis is that in comparison to Sativa and Indica, the THC levels are generally not as high, and so you'd need to
0: do some more breeding work to get it up to kind of more consistent levels. There hasn't been as much work done. Yeah, and that's exactly the thing is it's more a product of the fact that like because the focus has been on breeding sativa and hybrid strains because they're easier to control, there has been more effort into actually getting high THC strains and now even high CBD strains of these plants.
1: So you could argue that most of the weed people smoke has been genetically modified. They're GMOs.
0: Yeah, just like all the things we eat and also all the things we smoke are... Red for certain I, traits
2: i feel like when people do the whole breeding thing and everything like that they like to separate that from gmo you know what i mean it's a like, false dichotomy a little bit though isn't it i don't know i i mean sean whose side are you on okay side of science look i'm just <laughs> i want to steel man the other side okay and when you're doing that i think one of the key things to be thinking about is how quickly the changes happen and how foreign something that you can introduce is. Is Steel Man the opposite of Straw Man? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) With GMOs, this is a gigantic digression, but with GMOs, usually we're introducing stuff that's relatively foreign. You know, it could be very distantly related. It could be genes from, like, insects and shit, and we could be shoving them into plants. Sexy. And then seeing how they affect those plants immediately as opposed to a really gradual breeding process with like kind of selection of genes that
0: are already there not
2: that i think gmos are dangerous anyway i don't give a fuck
0: it's all good yeah what i know about marijuana breeding and cultivation there hasn't been a lot of pulling genes from complete other things and like injecting them in it's it's all just selective breeding andre if
1: you could pull a gene from something else and put into weed what would you do What's your favorite gene from something else that you would put into weed? Wow. I
2: don't
1: know. I put Joe Rogan into weed. <laughs> okay. I want my weed to real talk. <laughs> Just kidding. Wow.
0: Fuck. Know, maybe some genes that produce certain flavor compounds, certain, um, mm. what's the word? Like butter uh, flavor. Terpenes or whatever that aren't normally found in cannabis. Could, sure. Yeah. This is a stupid question in.
1: because I should have asked this last episode on vaping. Yeah. We talked a little about terpenes. What the fuck is a terpene? It's another molecular family. Ah, okay. It's actually, it's a
2: very broad molecular family that is usually the building blocks for a lot of very complicated molecules. Okay. And they're going to
1: come into this story as well, right? Like, they're pretty important for cannabinoids.
2: Yeah, so while terpenes are not cannabinoids, they are found in a pretty diverse array. All the shit that we smoke to get cannabinoids usually generally have some terpenes. Yeah. So, like in sativa, there's about 540 compounds that we can like detect in there. And about 110, 113 of them are cannabinoids. And then the rest of them, a
0: huge chunk of that is terpenes. Okay. Mm, terpenes influence things like flavor and aroma.
1: Oh, cool. Okay. And
0: it's not unheard of that terpenes also influence how you experience the medicinal effects of marijuana as well. They accompany uh, cannabinoids? Yeah. Supposedly in a way that like it's called full spectrum as they exist naturally in the marijuana plant.
1: Yeah. Andre, I thought he was billed as the illiterate peasant who knew too much but he's like using words like full-spectrum autism and like (laughs) (laughs) he's like Andre, do you know how to read? <laughs> Who taught you literacy? Yeah, awesome. <laughs> What's happened to this country that we have public education?
2: <laughs> yeah, terpenes, I think, if I remember correctly, like, pine sol is a terpene. <laughs> Sean, you're off topic. You well, need to tell no, us what our cannabinoids oh, okay, Hold on, hold on. Everybody, everybody calm down.
0: <laughs> it's basically a solvent. Oh, okay. Okay, that's cool. That also smells mm. like something. Yeah,
2: one last... Redigression to what Andre was talking about. One thing I will say is that um, tobacco plants are really commonly GMO'd in labs to make drugs and stuff like that. Really? Because things like tobacco and probably cannabis also is that because they have all these enzymes to be factories to make these drugs, you could imagine that you can add an extra few more enzymes in there and it could make a bunch of other kinds of drugs that may also have medicinal properties. They put nicotine in my medication? They should probably. That might help you a little bit. (laughs) That's why I'm so
1: addicted to tap water. I knew it wasn't fluoride. I knew it was nicotine. Oh man,
2: fuck me. Okay. So let's take a break. And then when we get back, we can talk about actually, you know, what are cannabinoids? Hello poopers out there. Millions of happy customers have used the service you love, Poops, to analyze their microbiome. You've also told us what you thought, and based off that great customer feedback, we're happy to now offer Poops 2.0. Based on concerns about the cleanup required from the last system, we've redesigned from the ground up, now featuring a dongle design. Simply plug one end into the bottom of your phone, pop a squat, and plug the other end into your bottom. Gentle, pulsating vibrations aid in the sample collection process our product testers say is not only efficient but surprisingly pleasant the days of pooping on your phone are over bring the analysis of your poop straight to the source with poops 2.0 we're what's inside you
1: hey guys we're back we've been talking around cannabinoids We should probably really cut to the chase and say, like, what exactly are cannabinoids? Because, like, there's people
2: like me who just, I don't know. I've heard cannabis, and I like it, kind of, but I don't know what the fuck it is. Yeah, so cannabinoids, they are a family of molecules. They're technically terpenophenolic. And what that (sighs) means is that they are actually terpenes and phenolic compounds, uh, which have a phenol group in them. Whatever, don't, don't worry about it. A phenol group and a terpene group glued together. Okay, cool. So, when we talk about like, oh, there's terpenes in sativa and stuff like that, it's because a lot of times the terpenes are precursors to the cannabinoids. I don't like gluing compounds together. It's very unnatural. What? Okay, yeah.
1: I don't like gluing. That's like like half of all the things. Ever since eighth grade, I don't do
2: glue, okay? Oh, seriously? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't show, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) So, cannabinoids can exist in both uh, acid and neutral forms. So, a lot of times when we say the name
0: of one of the cannabinoids, like cannabidiol, cannabidiol, CBD. I don't know, I read these words more than I say them out loud, so I'm no expert. It's cannabidiol, cannabidiol,
2: (laughs) cannabidiol, CBD. When we talk about CBD, usually we're talking about it word-wise in the neutral form, but you can take it in the acid or neutral form and your body kind of figures it out. But, I mean, it would be a lot to get high and have an acid trip, right? <laughs> what,
0: I <laughs> know, fuck you. what I understand is most relevant about your body's ability to absorb and interact with these compounds in your brain is whether or not they've been uh, decarboxylated or not. Yes, you know, that's, a, that's an excellent Set of words to use, Andre.
2: I'm very proud of you. (laughs) Andre's a chemist too. The carboxylic part is the acid part. Right. So removing that carboxylic acid... It makes it more available to interact with your brain. Yes, and that is the neutral form. So the acid form has this carboxylic acid group on it, and the neutral form has that removed. Shut up, nerd. Tell me the different types of cannabinoids. (laughs) Okay, so there are six main... Big ones, but then there's like, uh, like I said, there's like over a hundred. I don't give a fuck about those small fry. Okay, I don't vote Green Party. Tell me about the big six. (laughs) Tetrahydrocannabinol, which is THC. That was good. That's the juicy stuff, right? I'll tell you, you said it mostly right. (laughs) The cannabidiol, cannabidiol, (laughs) CBD. There's cannabinol, which is CBN. Cannabigerol, hopefully. (laughs) Cannabichromine, cannabinodiol. Those good. Those are a bunch of words. I'm going to call them a bunch of C-somethings, like CBN, CBG, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, point is, you got a lot of them. CBG is a precursor to all of the other ones. And so the rest of the cannabinoids are just kind of
0: variations on which part of CBG gets attached to what and kind of moved around and shit. Cool. So CBG is kind of like, like a stem cell is to a brain cell is like CBG is to is to THC.
2: Wow, we're bringing in some biology stuff to explain some chemistry stuff. That's fancy. Yeah. So yes, I agree. It is a precursor. Some would say chemistry is just applied biology.
1: What? <laughs> Keep going. Don't let me don't <laughs> okay. slow you down.
2: <laughs> And then there's also cannabinoids that are kind of this other branch family that have a propyl group on there. And that's like tetrahydrocannabivarin or THCV. It's like THC with little little jizz on the end. Is that the next big trend? So actually THCV seems like it might be the opposite of THC, like that it binds to the same receptors, but has the opposite effect. What does that even mean? That it might be kind of like an antagonist of the THC high. Oh. So it would be bad if you wanted to get high but might be good for some other things, which we can get to later. Cool. Now we're going to talk about endocannibals, how <laughs> the Donner party kept warm
1: and maintained hypo wow. <laughs> homeostasis during oh winter. Oh, my God. That's so smart, actually.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about endotherms. Wow. <laughs> That's fucked up. I I'm have, not used to being this proud of you. <laughs> I, have, I have your genes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Endocannabinoids. The endocannabinoid system was a discovery... Where they were trying to figure out, like, what is THC binding to? Because Mm. obviously it has this effect in your brain. And they wanted to know what kind of receptors were reacting to the THC. Mm. And they found the receptors. And they're like, oh, you know, like, why are these receptors there? Like, obviously, we (laughs) we don't make THC. Right. So the receptors are probably there to bind to something
0: else. Unless we
2: do make Cannabinoids.
0: Yes. So, what is interesting? Yeah, we don't make THC, but we make a different cannabinoid ourselves. Well, sexy. That's the thing. Whoa. Is that
2: These molecules are called endocannabinoids, but they are not cannabinoid molecules. Stru- what? Structurally, they are not from the same family of molecules. Ah. So it's like Hamburg it and and Hamburgers Hamburgers. Right <laughs>
1: because <laughs> hamburgers are like ground meat and patties and stuff, and Hamburg's a city.
2: Yeah, so hamburgers are the people from that city? Yes. That we ground up? Yes. (laughs) Okay, good. Gotcha. Anyway, so you can talk about these molecules in your body that bind to the receptors that THC does. Those are called endocannabinoids. And then the whole family of molecules that we were talking about previously from like sativa and stuff like that, those you can call phytocannabinoids. Phyto being plant. So plant-based cannabinoids. The first receptors that they found were named... Cannabinoid receptor type 1 and type 2, which is not that exciting. It's useful, though. (laughs) Those receptors are bound by the phytocannabinoids THC and THCV and are also bound by the endocannabinoids uh, anandiamide and 2-arachidonoglycerol, so 2-AG. That sounds like if you
1: took, like, the bob from Lord of the Rings and they turned it into an oil. Yeah. That's pretty good. I'm proud of you. I'm a smart, Again, I'm a smart guy. This is a weird episode. I'm, I'm a not smart digging this. Guy.
2: I'm like, <laughs> I have a college degree in Hindu law. <laughs> <laughs> That's very confusing. Okay, so these cannabinoid receptors, out of all of the phytocannabinoids, you know, like people are kind of taking more of like the CBD and stuff like that and CBN. Those guys do not bind to these receptors. It's just THC and THCV. The naming for these things are so shitty, right? Because they're called cannabinoid receptors, but they don't even bind all the cannabinoids. It's just THC and THCV. Is that just because of the historiography of the research? Yes. Mm. It's it's 100% history. It's because they weren't looking at any of the other cannabinoids yet. I hate history. (laughs) So people in it. So there are, though, other receptors that they've been finding that the other cannabinoids do bind to. One of the examples is something called a thermo-TRP receptor, which is actually one of the receptors in your body that helps detect temperature, pleasant and painful temperatures. And so apparently cannabinoids can interact with that. You know, I like that dichotomy of temperatures because most people think of hot and cold. I like painful versus pleasurable temperatures. Yeah, dude. So the thing is that these receptors, the cannabinoid receptors, they sit at the synapse between neurons. So the space in between those neurons where they're going to be sending the neurotransmitters, that is where the cannabinoid receptor sits. And it helps to stop the release of neurotransmitters. So sometimes we take drugs that can increase the dwell time of neurotransmitters hanging out there, like SSRIs, for example. Uh, Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Right. Are drugs that you take that make it so that serotonin hangs out in that synapse for longer. The cannabinoid receptors just help to block the release of some of those neurotransmitters in the first place. You know, I take those drugs and that's the first time I've
1: been told what they do. Oh, really? That's pretty (laughs) freaky. I was just given to them and they had a little happy, a little smiley face on them. And the doctor said, take them, take them, take them every day.
2: (laughs) And I didn't know they did stuff like that. (laughs) This cannabinoid receptor system is an important part of the feedback mechanism to help stop signaling. So, you know, sometimes you want neurons to communicate to each other, and then you want the communication to stop when it's appropriate. And the cannabinoid receptors are very important for that. And THC kind of activates that stopping process. So you're shutting down your brain ah, when good. you're smoking those marijuana cigarettes. Oh, interesting. <laughs> So that's what jazz cigarettes does to you. Yep, that's right. That's cool. So the endocannabinoid system is implicated in things like cardiovascular tone, energy metabolism, immune response, the reproductive system, and pain. That's pretty cool. So a lot of stuff. There's actually, when we were talking about acupuncture, Yeah. there was a study that suggested that acupuncture might help activate the endocannabinoid system Interesting. to reduce pain. So if we use cannabis with acupuncture, oh my God,
1: good or bad?
2: <laughs> have we gone too far? Maybe very, very good.
1: <laughs> okay, that's-, that's the next time for me. Okay, but we, got, we got a break now. Okay, but after the break, Mr. Sean is gonna—he's gonna tell me about the sciences behind all these cannabis. <laughs> my name is Tyler Jerry. If you're like me. You have a diet that consists exclusively of snails and oysters. But if you want to survive into your sexy 60s, you need to diversify. You need some vegetables. And there's only one rock-hard, sexy vegetable for you. Those are cabbages. That's right, cabbages. They're big balls of green. And they're the best way to get water in your mouth. Fuck drinking water, like a pleb, you could eat it with cabbage. It's cheap, it's transportable, it's good in a stew, you could even throw blue cheese on it. That's right, blue cheese, the stinkiest cheese, straight from a Frenchman's foot. So don't wait, go to your supermarket and buy yourself some cabbage. Paid for by cabbage growers of Wales, Northern Ireland, and Monaco. Okay, so you've told me all sorts of stuff about pathways and neurology and the brain. Yep. What is it good for, Sean?
2: Okay, so I'm going to start slamming through a list of things. Which we're going to dig into in part two. So we have very strong evidence. Most of the time, the research is on THC or CBD, okay? So cannabinoids in the treatment of chronic pain in adults and the treatment of chemo-induced nausea. And in multiple sclerosis, the spasticity symptoms. Spasticity. Uh, so multiple sclerosis like spasms? can spasms. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And cannabinoids seem to be able to reduce the severity or onset of some of those spasms. That makes sense. I think so. I mean, that works for me too. Yeah. Yeah. It slows you down. It's right. a little goopy. do we got moderate evidence for. So there's moderate evidence that you can see improved sleep over the short term. Has using that been true for you? Uh,
0: yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. I think then so, it's a true. Bit. <laughs> All right. Limited evidence. In my limited evidence experience, some of the best nights of sleep I've ever had have been when I consumed cannabis edibles right before going to bed. There you go. There is limited evidence
2: that you can use cannabinoids to improve the appetite of patients being treated for HIV/AIDS. Well, doesn't it make you hungry no matter what, anyway? It can help, but in some treatments, they make you feel so shitty that like. Whatever amount of hungriness you might get from smoking right. a blunt might not help. So some HIV
1: AIDS patients, their treatment right. uh, suppresses their appetite. So the evidence is limited.
2: There is some evidence, but it's limited.
1: When we say limited evidence, do we mean like anecdotal Herodotus once wrote that AIDS helps you? No. Or that doesn't help you, of course. <laughs> no.
2: So in science terms, limited evidence means that either there are some studies that say yes but they're kind of a small sample size. I see, okay. Or there are kind of contradictory studies. Some say yes, some say no, but more of them say yes. Okay. Right, so that's what limited evidence would mean. There's also limited evidence for treating Tourette's syndrome. So like basically you smoke a little weed or something, you take some CBD, something like that, some THC, and then you stop like spasming tourettes style. Yeah, and it might help us. Not be so foul-mouthed on the pod, maybe. <laughs> so, oh, I see. Like we so, should do and, it. Fucking everything. Yeah, it's true. Um, I've been cursing a lot less this episode. It might also, <laughs> it might also uh, help with social anxiety, so improving symptoms of social anxiety, treating symptoms of PTSD, maybe improving outcomes after traumatic brain injury. And maybe reducing inflammatory cytokines, which is sort of a inflammation signaling process. I mean, a lot of this limited evidence stuff sounds like stuff that you
1: anecdotally hear anyway, right? right. Which is that uh, like stuff chills you out, you know, like you'll hear veterans be like, eh, it chills me out. You'll hear people be like, oh man, I had something
2: go through my brain, it chills me out. Well, I think what's going to be really interesting is when the science gets enough funding that they can start diving into the different cannabinoids. Right, because research has kind of intrinsically been a little limited. Yeah. Because of the legal regime. Different cannabinoids and different combinations of cannabinoids with terpenes and stuff like that. Because in some people, for example, THC highs can induce paranoia and anxiety. Right. Right. But maybe that's because of the other 500 chemical compounds. Right. It's in what they're smoking. It's not totally clear which one is doing what and what helps you calm down all the way and everything, right? So maybe if we can kind of parse that out a little bit better, maybe it would be a really great treatment for PTSD. Because you imagine one of the reasons why there might only be limited evidence is maybe 20 to 25% of the people who get it, the symptoms get worse Mm. because they're anxious and paranoid. And you can imagine PTSD plus paranoia and anxiety would
0: not be a good mix. right? Right, right. So that might be something that can be refined. Yeah. I, and the plant itself can be bred to specialized production in one cannabinoid over another. Right. Yes. So typically, because the demand is like, oh, I want to smoke weed and get high, is high THC cannabis. But once but, we
1: start to have a more diversified market.
0: Exactly. Well, and we have, and we, 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 we have started to have that. Um, right. I think it was like a, maybe about a year or so ago, maybe a year and a half, there was a farm bill that passed that legalized hemp production in the United States. And define hemp as cannabis that tests uh, at less than 0.3% THC. So there's now this whole federally legal market for high CBD, extremely low THC marijuana that you can smoke and it doesn't get you high, but it's federally legal. It has high CBD. So people are taking that more for the medical benefit, uh, be it pain, anxiety, etc. People are taking that. And it's federally legal. You can have it shipped across straight lines, USPS, no problem. You Thank you, know Trump. You can ship it across street lines. All right. <laughs> and you know which senator spearheaded all that
1: stuff? Mitch McConnell. For the hemp industry in Kentucky. So oh, hey, cocaine next election a- Mitch. Yeah. Next election. Some random jackass is trying to mess up Mitch McConnell in your marijuana. (laughs) Donate to Mitch McConnell's campaign today and protect marijuana legalization in America. What a fucking nightmare you are. (laughs) (laughs) To think you gave birth to me. (laughs) It's the fucking worst. Okay, okay, so let's talk some more about some of the things that maybe it does or doesn't help with by scientific evidence. So I've heard that in nursing homes, you get old people high, they remember their whole
2: lives again. (laughs) Uh, does the scientific evidence bear that out? <laughs> all right, so there's limited evidence that cannabinoids do not help in improving dementia symptoms or reducing depression.
0: I don't think I have dementia yet, but I can tell you, uh, my weed ex- does not my, help with my, my <laughs> experience <laughs> with weed is that it does not help with my memory at all. <laughs> so. Um, There's a whole bunch of stuff
2: that I think also you'll hear about anecdotally, and it's definitely worth looking into, but the data is not at all settled, okay? So that's like, do cannabinoids help in fighting cancer itself? Right. Not talking about like, oh, chemo. Like symptoms of chemo. Right. It's talking about like actually fighting cancer. Can cannabinoids help? We don't know yet. Okay. Also, irritable bowel syndrome. Not settled. Irritable bowel syndrome. Helping you abstain from other addictive substances. Symptoms of Parkinson's disease,
0: epilepsy, dystonia, schizophrenia, glaucoma. So, if we can talk about anecdotal evidence for a second here. Yeah. Can we talk um, about irritable bowel syndrome? No. So, I. Because we have a lot of anecdotal I, evidence I don't about have IBS. personal experience with that. But in terms <laughs> of uh, abstinence from addictive substances, yeah. I personally used CBD to quit smoking cigarettes. In the same way that a lot of people vape in order to replace cigarettes, but they vape nicotine. Yeah. I was interested in vaping something that would alleviate the nicotine withdrawal associated anxiety without being nicotine. Sure. Uh, and you still get to put something in your mouth. Exactly. And that's good. So I, saw I a dick to get over cigarette <laughs> so- <laughs> I made a vape that was like very high CBD. It didn't get me high, but I could hit it when I wanted to smoke a cigarette. Sure. And it did enough to make it easier to not reach for a cigarette. And then once I got through enough of that, I just put the CBD pen down, too, because that isn't physically addictive. It is amazing how much all the breeding has gone,
1: because, you know, when a relative of ours tried to get cigarettes in the 90s, he had to freebase Prozac,
2: <laughs> uh, which was much more dangerous. <laughs> Fucking okay. <laughs> so, I think actually the effects of cannabinoids on withdrawal symptoms and stuff like that is a really interesting topic that we have in the notes a little bit later. Okay. So, we'll get into those in a much bigger way. But I think just to close out this segment, just to bring up what it might increase your odds of, it seems like cannabinoids might increase your odds of a certain kind of testicular cancer. Which is good anyway, because maybe you don't want kids. <laughs> Triggering heart attack or stroke. Don't want to live that long. Might increase the odds of lowering your chance for diabetes. That's good. But increasing your chance for pre-diabetes. Hey, I'm pre-diabetic <laughs> and I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. As and, long as you stay in the pre. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 we're all pre-diabetic yeah, in a way. Stay in the zone. And might increase the odds of respiratory symptoms and bronchitis.
1: Okay, guys, you're probably pretty high by now. We need to cut it. With this podcast on cannabinoids, okay? <laughs> we're going to wait till part two. In part two, we're going to dive into the glaucoma, the cancer, the gout, okay? The rubitussin.
2: Yeah, some of the more kind of anecdotal stuff, like does it help with addiction and everything, right? Yeah, so- dude,
1: your syntax and diction. Is weed ready for that? We're going <laughs> to jump into all that sexy shit. But first, we must say our goodbyes and our thank yous. Okay, to Natalie Song Allen, our mother who's here in studio right now. Oh, wow. Okay. To Andre joining us and Stacy, our sound lord.
2: Brian Allen. He did the artwork stuff. Um, Unrelated to us. (laughs) (laughs) Allen is a very common surname. Uh, And let's see. To all of our listeners in America, this is coming to you right before Thanksgiving, so I hope that you guys got the munchies from all the words that we said.
1: Yeah, he does a contact high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't smoke. Remember, our pod does not support marijuana, but... What?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Legalize it. Yeah. Um, okay, so you can tweet at us, at dishpodcast. Uh, you can email us at petridishpod at gmail.com.
1: For the person who tweets us the most beautiful turkey, you'll get
2: some fetal bovine serum. God damn it. How do you remember? I honestly, Sean, we're trying to focus here. <laughs> All right. Thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next time.